Welcome to the Mariners Cast, presented by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Coming to you July 3rd, before the Mariners open up a big four-game set in Anaheim against the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Today on the Mariners cast, we are going to recap uh, yesterday's game against the Red Sox. It was a victory. Mariners took the series two of three. We will uh, talk about the matchup against the Angels. We'll run over, as we typically do, the uh, team stats, how they line up against each other. The Angels' typical lineup, their pitching, their payroll, and kind of the overall view of the Angels at this particular moment in time. And then we will talk uh, the pitching matchup tonight, which is Brian Wu against Shohei Otani. So the Mariners are now 56 and 52, uh, six games out in the American League West. Mariners have passed the Los Angeles Angels in the American League West once again. Uh, Mariners with a plus 41 run differential, Angels plus 17, Angels are 56 and 53. Both teams have won six of their last 10. The Mariners sit three and a half games out of the wild card, uh, tied with the Yankees, one game behind the Red Sox. So right in the thick of it, you put together a big run right here, and the Mariners are right back in the playoffs. So they're keeping their nose in, in the game, and it's really up to them at this point in time. I think the Mariners have a shot. I know I teeter back and forth, but... Uh, They look pretty good right now. So yesterday's game was a 6-3 victory by the Mariners. It was a comeback victory. Heading into the bottom of the sixth inning, the Mariners were down 3-0 to Boston. Uh, Cutter Crawford, Boston starter, was cruising. Boston took Crawford out after five innings. He had gone five innings, four hits, one walk, five strikeouts. He had thrown 81 pitches at that point. Uh, Cutter Crawford is not your... Um, pitch into the seventh type of starter. He, uh, you know, is kind of slightly built, smaller guy. He also uh, has pitched in relief quite a bit for the Red Sox over the last couple of years. So they got five innings of really dominant baseball from Cutter Crawford. Brought in John Schribner um, in the sixth, who I believe was has been on the uh, injured list for the last couple of months. I just know that because I've, I have him in fantasy. And he gave up four runs in the sixth inning, or excuse me, gave up uh, four runs total. He ended up giving up two runs in the sixth and then two of the runs that the Mariners scored in the seventh. But Mariners were able to score six runs off of Red Sox relief. Uh, Big two-run home run in the bottom of the sixth on the 10th pitch of the at-bat by Cal Raleigh. That gave him three home runs in this three-game series. I'm sure Boston Red Sox fans were wondering why. The Red Sox would continue to pitch to Cal Raleigh. Uh, He's been brilliant. Tom Murphy went three for four. He scored a run. Uh, Eugenio Suarez went three for four. He had a double, a run, an RBI. Uh, Julio went one for four with a a run in an RBI, but had an amazing uh, steal of home where uh, it was first and third. Gino Suarez was on first. Uh, Gino bluffed towards stealing second, kind of stopped in the middle, drew the throw, and the minute the throw was made, Julio took off for home and scored. One of those plays you don't see the Mariners attempt, 
especially successfully very often, but with Julio's speed, um, it, it was a really fun play to watch a, a play of, of, uh, yesteryear, my childhood, I think, but is another example. What stood out to me was this was yet another example of how Julio Rodriguez impacts the game and the little things outside of his, his offensive numbers that make him such a great player. You know, I talk a lot about the defense in center field. I don't know how many balls in center Julio tracks down in the gap that would have been base hits with a lesser, less fast center fielder. Um, but he impacts the game all over the place with his catches in center, with things like, you know, the, his steal of home in this game. And those are worth something. I think that that it was really smart of the Mariners to call this play because, you know, this team needs to show some aggression and and uh, make something happen offensively at times because they're not always going to hit. And this is one way of making things happen. So that was really, really fun to watch, uh, that steal of home. Cade Marlowe had a pinch hit RBI single to tie the game at 3-3. Uh, in the seventh, this was uh, off of a lefty. I just think there, there are tons of really great signs from Cade Marlowe as far as becoming a regular um, on the Mariners roster. I love watching him play. I already have more confidence in Marlowe than I do probably the majority of the Mariners offensively. Uh, but it was a balanced attack. And this is the way the Mariners are going to win. Of course, you know, Teo may get hot, Julio may get hot, but the reality is the Mariners will be a great offense if they can remain balanced. You get contributions from Tom Murphy. You get contributions from Cal Raleigh. We're at a point where you can't really keep Tom Murphy's bat out of the lineup. You know, he's got a, a above 900 uh, OPS at this point in time, and he's hitting way too well. You're not keeping Cal Raleigh's bat out of the lineup. He's been hot, hitting for power. Um, as a side note, there have been rumblings about the Mariners talking to Tom Murphy about a contract extension. I think that is a good idea at this point in time. I don't think he would demand a ton of money. I know he's a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, I, I, Shannon Dreyer wrote yesterday that Tom Murphy's name was um was tossed around a little bit at the deadline since he is a free agent next year but that scott service would be fit to be tied if murphy was traded because he is such an important player to the clubhouse and to the team um would like to see that signing i've never been a big tom murphy fan but he's been great this season but yeah balanced attack you got you know production from julio as i said gino went three for four cal raleigh hit a home run Tom Murphy goes three for four. Cade Marlowe has a big pinch hit single. Uh, so again, Bears win 6-3, comeback win. They score their six runs in the sixth and the seventh inning. And then the bullpen, which I'd like to touch on for just a minute here, came on in the seventh. And the way it played out was exactly how I thought it would play out when the Mariners traded Paul Seawald. Matt Brash replaced Logan Gilbert in the seventh. The score at the time was 3-2 Red Sox. He pitched a scoreless seventh inning, ended up getting the win going to 7-3. and three. The eighth inning, at which point the score was 6-3 Mariners, uh, Gabe Spire, I almost said Chris Spire again. Gabe Spire was brought in. This is a higher leverage, you know, hold situation. 
Gabe Spire was the lefty that was brought in to face uh, Alex Verdugo, Matsutaka Yoshida, and Rafael, Rafael Devers. And, you know, it's you've got two lefties in Saucedo and Spire, but I think Spire is considered the higher leverage left-handed reliever. And then when he didn't get all three of those lefties out, uh, Scott Service went to Justin Topa to face uh, Adam Duvall, the right-hander. So, as I said, I thought that Topa, Brash, Spire would share the higher leverage seventh and eighth inning type of situations and that uh, Andres Munoz would be the uh, closer in most situations, right? Unless, you know, it's a really, really tough right-handed hitter um, or a, uh, you know, bases loaded, no out sort of situation in the eighth. But Munoz came on. Munoz picked up the save. He went one inning, struck out two. Um, Spire and Topa both got holds. But again, the bullpen played out exactly the way that that I expected once Seawald was no longer on this team. Uh, Logan Gilbert was okay in this game. It is considered a quality start, three earned runs in six innings. He wasn't great, um, but he kept the manners in the game. And when you don't have your great stuff or you're not locating, that is what you ask for from your starting pitcher. He went six innings, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts, 104 pitches. ERA moves to 3.86. The only real note um, from his start is that, uh, you know, as I dig into the numbers a little more, is that he threw 40 fastballs and 38 sliders. So his slider usage was up about 10% over um over the rest of the season. And then he threw 15 splitters and 10 curveballs. Um, he did get nine swings and or nine whiffs on 24 swings off of the slider. Uh, he got four whiffs on 11 splitters and then four whiffs on 16 swings on the four seamer. So whiff percentage was higher than it has been this season. You like to see that. Uh, it was at 33% on this game. Good sign from Logan Gilbert as far as swing and miss goes. Um, especially against a tough offense in the Red Sox. Again, he kept the Mariners in the game until they could come back in the seventh. So nice job, nice job, Logan. Uh, Mariners again win 6-3, move to 56 and 52, four games over 500, and six games out of the American League West and three and a half games out of the wild card. Mariners travel to Anaheim to take on the Los Angeles Angels over the next four days. Uh, tonight's pitching matchup is Brian Wu against Shohei Otani. Mariners play uh, evening games Friday, evening games Saturday, and then uh, 1 o'clock or one o seven start on Sunday. A little history on the Angels. They have one World Series title. That was in 2002. The, uh, the one AL pennant they have is in 2002. They have nine American League West titles, uh, most recent being in 2014. Uh, they won five of them in the 2000s, two in the 80s, and one in 1979. And then one wild card berth that also was in 02. Um, so, you know, similar history to the Mariners. Obviously, they have a championship. The Mariners don't. Uh, the Angels are the seventh highest scoring team in baseball per game at 4.94 runs. Mariners 
4.55 runs, ranked them 14th in baseball, so right about league average, right in the middle of the pack. Angels triple slash as a team, 256, 332, 446. Mariners, in terms of average and on-base percentage, are about 20 points lower, 235, 313. And the Mariners slug is 398, which is about 50 points, almost 50 points lower than the Angels. So Angels, better offense, more production uh, so far this season, uh, for sure. Angels have hit 166 home runs this season. That is 37 more than uh, the Mariners have. Mariners have stolen 22 more bases. They walk at about the same rate. Mariners strike out a little bit more. And then overall, WRC plus, Angels is 113, fifth in baseball. Mariners 102, tied for 13th in baseball. So Angels clearly have a better offense. Once we dig into the numbers a little more, you'll see that that's almost exclusively the impact of Shohei Otani. Uh, Pitching-wise is where the Mariners have the advantage. Uh, Let me know if you've heard that before. Mariners, 381 ERA, fourth in baseball. Angels, 443 ERA. Angels whip 136, Mariners 119. Mariners are tied for second in baseball, the low, uh, second lowest whip. Um, ground ball, Mariners 2.4% more ground balls than uh, than the Angels, but the Angels are not, I wouldn't call them a fly ball team necessarily. Both teams have a 12.1 swinging strike percentage. Um, and then the Angels walk a ton more batters than the Mariners do. So Angels walk rate, from their pitchers is 9.6%. Mariners is 7%. Mariners also strike out 1.1% more hitters. So Mariners have much better pitching. Angels offense has produced better this season. Again, that is primarily Shohei Otani. So Otani, 28 years old, 480 plate appearances. He has 39 home runs, 13 stolen bases, over a 14% walk rate, only a 23.3% K rate, triple slash of 307, 408, and a 676 slug. That's a 187 WRC plus. And he's been good for 5.6 Fangraphs war so far this season. So clearly, Shohei offensively, clearly Shohei Otani has been dope, right? Probably the most talented baseball player I will ever see in my lifetime. And I grew up with Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds and Daryl Strawberry and Wade Boggs, Tony Gwynn, obviously Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Albert Pujols, that era as well. Um, and Otani is, is hands down, in my opinion, the most talented baseball player I will ever see. Uh, the rest of the offense has been okay. Uh, Hunter Renfro has 17 home runs with a 251 average. Taylor Ward, before he got hurt, 14 home runs, 253 average. Mike Trout, you know, all the talk about Mike Trout being being washed. I, I think he's just a different player than he used to be. He doesn't steal bases anymore, but it's still 263, 369, 493 slug, 137 WRC plus and 18 home runs. Now, Mike Trout is hurt right now, so obviously not in the lineup, nor is Taylor Ward. Um, Luis Renjifo has 10 home runs. Brendan Drury has 14. Drury's been a great signing, a player that I wish the Mariners had. Can play second, first, second, and third base. So he has 14 home runs, 277, 322, 500 slug. He also is hurt. 
Um, and then Mickey Moniak, the center fielder who was the uh, number one pick of the Phillies a number of years ago, has been playing out of his mind this season. 317 with the 566 slug and a 149 WRC plus from Mickey Moniak. Only a 3.3% walk rate, 432 BABIP. So obviously this isn't true Mickey Moniak talent, but he is a good hitter. And um, he is someone who's very, very dangerous and has been hitting third in this lineup. The Angels acquired Mike Moustakis towards the deadline. Um, Offensively, they... uh, They acquired Eduardo uh, Escobar, uh, called up Jordan Adams, acquired Randall Gritchick. So they did some things. CJ Cron, they acquired, did some things um, in the margins to or on the margins to try to kind of prop up this offense a bit. None of those moves um, do anything for me as far as making this offense better. But obviously they're scoring almost five runs a game over the course of the season. So they, to a certain extent, know what they're doing offensively. Pitching wise, you know, it's again, it's all about Otani. Otani so far this season, the Mariners will see him today. 3-4-3 ERA. We'll dig more into him uh, when we talk about the pitching matchup. And then their other four starters, uh, Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, Tyler Anderson, and then Griffin Canning, who just went on the injured list as well, all have ERAs in the fours. And that's pretty much who they are. I think all four of those pitchers, you can expect an ERA between, say, high threes and and high fours. Um, is that enough for them to win? It, if they get a decent uh, showing out of their bullpen over the course of the year, yeah, I think that's that's enough for them to win, given the fact they have Shohei Otani at the top of that rotation. Uh, they haven't had a ton of pitching injuries. Jose Suarez has been hurt. He's a lefty who's been effective, but Canning is the big one right now who's hurt. They did acquire Lucas Giolito at the deadline. We talked about that. Giolito is supposed to slot in there as the number two. He's gotten lit up in his first couple of outings for uh, the Angels. And I, again, not a pitcher that moves the needle for me either, Um, but he will take the ball every fifth day for this team and maybe every sixth day uh, once Canning is off the injured list. Their bullpen has been pretty good. Um, No huge names in that bullpen. Carlos Estevez is the closer. Matt Moore was a free agent signee. Reynaldo Lopez was traded for in the Giolito trade. Throws 100 miles an hour. Names like Dominic Leone, Aaron Loop, um, names that you would recognize. So the story with the Angels, though, is quite clearly they are making every move possible to try to impress Shohei Otani, to put a winner on the field to make the playoffs so that they have even a remote shot to re-sign him at, in the offseason. He will be probably sign the biggest free agent contract of all time in Major League Baseball. Um, as I said, he's the most talented player I've seen in my lifetime, and he's due to be a free agent. Uh, we've talked about that before. So all of these moves around him, the Gritchick move, Moustakis, C.J. Cron. Eduardo Escobar, Reynaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito. These are all to try to make the playoffs and keep Shohei Otani. I, I guess that's the right thing to do. I I don't can't say that I would have had the nuts to 
to trade him at the deadline, you would have gotten a big haul back for him, even though he would be a rental. Um, but they're going for it. And when you look at their payroll and you look at the amount of money that this team has spent, it makes sense that they would go for it. I saw when I looked at their payroll, I was dumbfounded given the lack of quality in this team. But they're sunk by a, a couple of different contracts. So the Anthony Rendon contract when he was signed from the Nationals, you know, Rendon was one of the best offensive players in baseball, a top, probably a top 10 offensive player, maybe even a top five offensive player at third base. So top five offensive player in baseball and a third baseman. Um, he had injury history. Uh, his profile didn't say that he, you know, impacted the ball to a point where if he had a nagging injury that he would continue to be able to hit the ball as hard as he, as he was, but he knew where to hit the ball and his approach has been so good over, over the course of his career, his hitting approach. He He's making $38 million this season. Anthony Rendon is. Think about that. $38 million to a player who basically is broken. 183 plate appearances, two home runs, two stolen bases, hitting 236 with a 96 WRC plus, 4% worse weighted runs created than league average. And you're paying that player $38 million. It's crazy. But, you know, can you blame Rendon? No. Like, I don't think Anthony Rendon did anything wrong. He's just breaking down. So, Imagine the Mariners had a player making $38 million who barely saw the field and when he did, wasn't any good. And that's your starting point for this team. Mike Trout, 35, about $35.5 million. Mike Trout is a great player, as I said. WRC plus, 137. But he's not the Mike Trout, the, the 10 war Mike Trout player that we've seen, you know, over the last eight years or so. He's not that guy anymore. He's not as fast. He's not as explosive. There's more swing and miss. There are more holes in his swing. And really, what has he become? He's become a, a power-hitting, right-handed hitter who is capable of playing center field. But in truth, the Angels would be a lot better defensively if Mike Trout was in a corner and not in center. Between the two, $73.5 million between Trout and Rendon, right off the top. Angels have the eighth highest payroll in baseball at $236 million. You've got other players like they signed Tyler Anderson, $13 million a year. I believe that was a three-year deal. Hunter Renfro, $12 million. Randall Grichik, they're paying a prorated rate, but $10 million. You've got bullpen pieces making a bunch of money. Matt Moore, $7.5 million. Aaron Loop, $7.5 million. Carlos Estevez, almost $7 million. Versus, say, the Mariners that just don't pay out those contracts for bullpen arms and produce them through the minor leagues. I think that's the way to go, right? And it's something, again, that I think Mariners fans take for granted with uh, Jerry DePoto's regime, that they're able to produce bullpens like that and don't have to dole out $22 million for Matt Moore, Aaron Loop, and Carlos Estevez. So they've got all this crazy money. Shohei's making, signed a one-year $30 million deal. 
uh, to play this year out. And Shohei Otani is probably going to be making $50, $60 million next year. This payroll is going to continue to go up if they were to re-sign him. This Rendon deal, I don't think it runs out for another, I, I didn't look at it, but I'm assuming maybe four years, something in that range. And that's bad. You're paying him so much money to take up, you know, what is it, 15% of your payroll. It goes through 26, AAV of $35 million a year. That's wild. And if I was an Angels fan, I'd be mad as hell. That's foul. Anthony Rendon is making this kind of money until 2026 through 2026. Mike Trout, who's breaking $35.5 million AAV through 2030, free agent in 31. These types of things are why you don't trade controllable, cost-controlled assets at the trade deadline. This is why the Mariners held. You can say the same thing about the Rangers as well. And you can say similar things about the Astros trading their top two prospects. This is why you hold at the deadline. You hold for 2024, 25, 26, 27 on down the line. Gary Depoto knows Mike Trout is breaking down. He knows they're linked to a huge contract with Anthony Rendon for the next however many years. They are not going to have the payroll flexibility to do anything. And their farm system is straight trash. Top prospect, according to MLB Pipeline now, after trading Edgar Carroll and trading Kai Bush, is Logan O'Hoppy. Logan O'Hoppy is a good catcher. Logan O'Hoppy is going to hit for power. I would love Logan O'Hoppy on my team. The Angels traded Brandon Marsh to the Phillies for Logan O'Hoppy straight up near the deadline last season. He's a good player. He's probably going to hit 20 home runs. Names after that, you tell me if you recognize these names. Prospect Hounds, you tell me if you recognize these names. Denzer Guzman, Werner Blakely, Adrian Placencia, Kyron Paris, Ben Joyce, Paris and Joyce, yes, Caden Dana, Nelson Rada, Levon Soto, Walbert Urania, like, and a lot of these guys, their ETAs, 23, obviously with Ohapi, 26, 25, 25, 24, 24, 26, 26. They have no system. Now, they did draft Nolan, I'm, I think I'm saying it right, Shanyul, who is a left-handed hitting first baseman, 6'4", 220. They drafted him in the 20s in the first round um, in this, this year's draft. He's already in double A. They're obviously pushing him quickly. He has an advanced bat, a good at probably 60 hit, 60 power type of player. They drafted him for right now. Clearly, they're clearly trying to play for this particular moment, but they have no future. Even if you look at their roster and you don't see any young players that get you excited, right? Zach Neto is going to be probably, if you're lucky if Zach Neto is a league average offensive shortstop. And there are questions about whether he should stay at short. Matt Tice, Mickey Moniak, 
Hunter Renfro, Mike Moustakis, Luis Renjifo, Jordan Adams. None of those names do anything for me. None. Joe Adele is the one name that has some explosion, some athleticism, some pedigree. But he's 24, and we don't know if he's actually going to be a good player or not. I do like Brandon Drury. He's not going to carry the team. Taylor Ward, good player. But nobody here is young. Ohapi might be the only, and, and Adele, if Adele ends up being what even 70% of what people wanted him to be. Mickey Moniak's 25. But this, you don't have a young core. Not a good one. Angels are screwed. Long-term angels are screwed. Shohei leaves, the angels are toast. They might as well, at that point, they might as well blow it up. They get, they'll get passed by by the athletics if Otani leaves. And they'll be stuck with contracts for a long time. So it's not as if they can tear it all down and build back up quickly. I would not want to be an Angels fan right now. Not in the least. It's ugly. So that said, there's still a half game behind the Mariners in the standings. Uh, this series is going to be fun. They obviously have a lot on the line. Um, Mariners can really put some distance between themselves and the Angels if they can play well. And pitching matchups outside of tonight look to be to lean towards the Mariners. It's Brian Wu against Otani tonight. Obviously, the Angels have the have the advantage there. But then Friday night is Luis Castillo against Reed Detmers. Saturday night is George Kirby against Tyler Anderson. And Sunday is Bryce Miller against Chase Silseth. Silf, that's a hard one to say. Um, you could make the case that Sunday's matchup is pretty even. Silseth is not a bad pitcher. He is a pitcher with some pedigree. Um, I think Bryce Miller is a better pitcher, but they are of similar pedigree, similar prospect rank, that sort of thing. So, again, tonight, Mariners can take tonight. Mariners are going to be set up. Ryan Wu has not been great over his past uh, three starts. Five innings, seven hits, three runs on the 29th in Arizona. Six innings, four hits, four runs against Toronto on the 23rd. Three and a third hits, eight or three and a third innings, eight hits, six runs against Minnesota on the 18th. So not pitching as well, not locating nearly as well, trying to figure out how to get lefties out. Um, he's now one and three with a 4.96 ERA and a 1.27 whip. What I will say is, I think he, he's obviously he's nails against righties, 140, 193, 187 slug. But against lefties, 386 average, 771 slug. That's terrible. When you break down his, his uh, pitch counts against righties and lefties, he's almost exclusively four-seamer against lefties. He's got nothing against lefties. 249 four-seamers against left-handed hitters, 39 sinkers, 35 sliders, 40 cutters, 24 change-ups. It's, it's brutal, right? So if you're a left-handed hitter against Ryan Wu, you just sit four-seam. That's clearly what they're doing. You just sit four-seam and you just wait and wait and wait until you get a four-seam in the zone. Now against righties, where he's been lights out, 
he actually leads with his sinker. He's thrown 13 more sinkers than four seamers against righties. But then he mixes in slider. He mixes in cutter. But really, it's four seam and sinker against righties. And he's been incredibly effective so far. Really, Brian Wu needs to get it together, um, specifically against left-handers. Uh, I think, especially if he's if he has a poor outing again, which would give him really four poor outings in a row. I guess his his game against Arizona in the last game he pitched wasn't horrible, but if it's four outings in a row in which uh, Brian Wu pitches poorly. And he's reaching his innings cap. It may be time to shut him down, especially given his uh, ineffectiveness against left-handers. So we'll see what happens tonight against this Angels lineup. Um, Angels lineup, typically you're looking at CJ Cron as a righty, Hunter Renfro as a righty, Randall Grichik as a righty, Zach Neto as a righty. So that's four righties in the lineup. Would not surprise me if we saw Eduardo Escobar or Andrew Velasquez in the lineup to replace one of those righties just to put another lefty given uh, Brian Wu's platoon split. So watch to see how he pitches against lefties, watch his pitch mix against lefties. Um, We kind of, you can almost cancel right-handed hitters out against him. He's been that good against them. So see what happens with Wu. Shohei Otani, man, what do you say? 120.2 innings, 156 strikeouts, Nine and five with a three four three ERA and a one oh seven whip. None of the numbers are too crazy. Ten point two percent walk rate is high for him. Thirty two percent K rate is elite. Uh, lefties hit one eighty eight. Righties hit one eighty three. He did have three poor outings um, leading up to his last start against Detroit, and what was it, which was a one hit sh- complete game shutout. Um. But the crazy thing with Otani, when you break him down, is he's thrown more sweepers than any other pitch. Think about that. When's the last time you saw a starter lead with the sweeper? I could see Trent Thornton leading with the sweeper as a reliever, right? But you're talking about one of the premier starting pitchers in baseball leading with the sweeper this season. 34.8% sweeper. 32.4% 32.4% four-seamer, 16.5% cutter. Then he mixes in sinker, splitter, curveball. The cutter is primarily against lefties. The sinker is primarily against um, right. Well, yeah, primarily against righties. And then he will throw the occasional uh, splitter and curveball against left-handers. But really, it's sweeper, four-seamer from Shohei against both. His zone contact rate is about 5% lower than league average. We know that. We know his stuff is elite. And the whiff rate is almost 31%. So I just, I think of the sweeper, I guess, when I generalize, I think of it as a pitch that from a right-hander to a left-handed bat, that should in theory be easy to hit because it's coming in to you, right? It's breaking into your hands. It's not breaking away. And it's the kind of pitch where if you hang it, a major league left-handed hitter can hit it out. But he's been incredibly effective with it. 150 average, 366 slug, 36.9% whiff rate. Um, 
but a lot of fun. So I like watching pitch mix over the course of the game. Um, it's fun to go into it with some uh, information about what the pitcher has done up to this point in time in the season. But this matchup should be fun. Shohei against Brian Wu. I'm really excited for this series and excited for the Mariners in this series. So I want to end today's Mariners cast with uh, a couple of thoughts. People have been, when I say people, I mean like, you know, folks, Mariners fans on Twitter, um, Mariners accounts on Twitter, uh, radio personalities, as I said yesterday, Dave Softy Mahler, Mike Salk, those guys are so fixated on what the Mariners haven't done. And in the moment, what the Mariners haven't done, right? It's all about Mariners didn't sign the right guys at the, at the um, in the offseason. Again, like I said previously, go look at Trey Turner's stats. Go look at Xander Bogert's stats. Think about the $300 million price tag and come back to me and tell me if that was a good move or not. They get upset about the Mariners' inactivity at the deadline or not going after a big fish at the deadline, right? They're so in the moment and want instant gratification. Even other Mariners podcasts, same thing. Highly critical of the Mariners' lack of activity. And I was thinking about it, and I equate it to other parts of life, right? I think about work or home, or any of those things. And if, I guess I'll just speak personally, I try to stay, to see the big picture all the time, right? Not let the little things get to you. Not fixate on every last, you know, yesterday's Mariners game. And think about the Mariners as an organization. If it was my team, my business, I owned it, how would I see it? And I would be thinking, in broad terms, right? In terms of years, not in terms of today, especially when your best players are young. You can't make knee-jerk trades. You can't mortgage the farm to go after it for this year when you've got a good thing going. And the Mariners have a great thing going. You have some of the most talented players in baseball signed for the next four or five years. You got Julio Rodriguez on a li- essentially a lifetime contract. Yes, you need to build the offense around him, but you have a ton of middle infielders on the way up. You've got a, a very talented catcher on his way up in Harry Ford. You've got Jared Kelnick, who, whether we believe he's going to be great or not, is incredibly talented. you got a really great catching duo. And then you have all of these starting pitchers and the ability to produce relievers. The Mariners are in a great spot long-term. And it appears as if everyone is so incredibly negative towards the Mariners, national people, same thing. People saying that, you know, Jerry DePoto has been in charge of this team for so long. And the Mariners haven't done a ton. Do you remember the team he took over? Do you remember that payroll? Do you remember how bad the free agent signings were by Jack Sorensic? 
Do you remember the fact that the Mariners had the worst farm system in baseball for a number of years when Zarensic was supposed to be a scout who could find young talent? That's why he was brought in. Be careful what you wish for. Jerry DePoto's doing a hell of a job. The Mariners are in contention. Some of the signings that were made were not great. Colton Wong didn't work out. AJ Pollock didn't work out. Tommy LaStella didn't work out. The LaStella one, I can't defend. But the Pollock one, he was great historically against lefties. That's what he's brought in to do. Colton Wong, as I said before, had, I believe, 113 and 117 WRC pluses the last two years. So, yes, everyone's going to make mistakes when you have to make that many decisions over the course of a year. But he's made a ton of great ones as well. I just, I encourage... Mariners fans to think about this team from a much broader perspective than just today. Houston gave up their top two prospects for a 40 year old pitcher and don't have anything in the farm system because they had to forfeit picks because of the cheating scandal and because they've been so good. They picked at the bottom of the first round. Houston's system is horrible. It's a dumpster fire at this point in time, and they don't care. Jeremy Pena is not that good. He's a below-average offensive shortstop. Jose Altuve is getting older. Gordon Alvarez is the player they can hang their hat on, he and Kyle Tucker. But they don't have a whole lot outside of that. They're starting Jake Meyer and Chaz McCormick and Martin Maldonado. And it's and their pitching is thin because if they sustain an injury – to Valdez or to Javier, they're screwed. They don't have a bunch of pitchers in the minor leagues. They just don't. Houston's playing for the right now, and they understand that. They realize that that's why they gave up Clifford and Gilbert for Verlander. The Angels we just talked about, their farm system is probably the worst in baseball at this point in time. And they're probably going to lose Shohei Otani, and their two other $30-plus million players are old, and hurt and injury prone. And one of them's not even good anymore in Anthony Rendon. And they have bad pitching outside of Otani. The A's are the A's. We all know what's going on there. And until they move to Las Vegas and somebody pumps some money into them, they're going to continue to roll out the Ken Waldachucks and the Kyle Mullers and the Stewie Ruizes and the Seth Browns and Zach Geloffs and all those dudes. And they're going to win one of three in a series. One of four in a series. Their current win percentage is 20.275 with not a lot of help on the way. And no superstars in their system outside of maybe Tyler Soderstrom or Denzel Clark. The A's are in a bad place. The Rangers? Yeah, the Rangers are good. And the Rangers do have some young players, right? The Rangers are probably the biggest threat to the Mariners over the next five years. They also traded Luis Angel Acuna away to get Max Scherzer. They're a little bit older. They have pitchers that have injury history. I don't know if you can even think about Jacob deGrom as a player on that team. They've gotten some very good pitching from guys like Dane Dunning, Martin Perez. Um, John Gray has sustained some injuries over time. Their bullpen, they seem to be able to produce some decent bullpen arms. 
And you've got Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon for a long time. But those guys are going to get old pretty quickly. And even and their offense is going to fall off a bit. I think Simeon probably sooner than Seager just because of age. Seager's injury prone. And your two middle infielders are probably not going to be great defensively pretty soon here. You may have to think of moving um, Seager off of short. Josh Young, their third, their star third baseman, rookie third baseman, does not take walks and is the kind of hitter that is probably going to hit 20 to 25 home runs each year. But some bad luck on batted balls in play, he could hit 230. Sometimes he's going to hit 270. Right? They've got Nathaniel Lowe, Adolis Garcia, Leodis Tavares. Like, they're... They're a good team. Their offense is good, but they're going to get older offensively quickly unless they bring up the reinforcements from the minor leagues. Now, Evan Carter is a top prospect. He's an outfielder. But their pitching that they invested in, in the minor leagues, has not panned out. Kumar Rocker, third pick overall last year. Tommy John surgery. Jack Leiter, second pick overall the year before. Both pitchers out of Vanderbilt. Supposed to head their rotation for years to come. Jack Leiter can't find the strike zone, and he's in double A. He's probably going to get sent to some sort of instructional league at some point in time because he can't find the strike zone. It is that bad. Owen White hasn't turned out to be the guy they thought he was going to be. Cole Wynn, same thing. Owen White, at best, is probably a number four, and they'll be lucky if they get that out of him. So Texas is going to be good. But Texas is going to have to continue to patch together their pitching because of the age of their pitchers and some of them overperforming. Their hitting is going to be good. I think top to bottom, they have a better, much better offense than the Mariners do, not just this year, but the next couple of years. But the Mariners' hitting is going to get better because it's young. The Mariners are ascending while the other four teams are not. So when you come into the deadline, it's not just about 2023. And even though they openly say they're looking at 24, that's not saying they're giving up on 23. It's saying that they're smart enough to have a three, five, seven-year plan with this team. It's smart. Same thing I said about people's perspectives on the Mariners' farm system. And I would get in arguments. People would say, well, the farm system is ranked between 20 and 30. Mariners have a crap farm system. What are they doing? They don't have anybody to trade. It's about player development. It's not a prospect website's ranking of the system in that moment. It's about the player development system. It's about their ability to draft or sign young players and develop them into quality major leaguers. That's what it's about. And that is 100% what the Mariners do. That is who they are. That's how they define themselves is as that type of team. So the farm system ranking doesn't mean a damn thing to me. It really doesn't. And I think it's silly to bring that up as a uh, a negative or a demerit towards Jerry DePoto. I said this before, but I think it's worth going over again. When I look at the Mariners... Julio Rodriguez, international signing. Ty France, not really a player with the Padres before he came to the Mariners. So there was some development there. J.P. Crawford, 
a bust with the Phillies. Came the Mariners developed. Jared Kelnick, traded for as a minor leaguer, developed within the Mariners. Cal Raleigh, developed in the minor league system. Mike Ford, Mariners are squeezing out of him whatever they can. Tom Murphy, uh, bottom of the top 100 type of prospect with Colorado before the Mariners got him. Dylan Moore, right? Cade Marlowe. These are all players developed in the Mariners system to become quality major leaguers. And then obviously the pitching, right? George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Matt Brash, Bryce Miller, even like Seawald and Topa. It came from other organizations, but the Mariners are what made them good. Gabe Spire, same thing. Brian Wu drafted. Tyler Saucedo wasn't anything until he came to the Mariners. It's This is a draft and develop team. They are not a big ticket signing team. They may go out and get one guy at some point in time when they decide it's time. But you hold on to your young, controllable assets. See the big picture. Mariners are going to be great for a long, long time. And that is because Jerry DePoto has the approach that he does. And because ownership has insisted. I'm not defending ownership at all. Because there are a lot of annoying things about the Mariners owners. But insisting that. They don't sign these big ticket guys who have been busts and insisting that they build from within is why the Mariners are going to be great for the next five years. So that's my rant about the American League West and about people who are down on the Mariners and calling for Jerry Depoto's head because he didn't trade for, I don't know, Randall Grichuk, CJ Cron. Um, I'm excited. This series should be fun. Thank you for listening. Sorry to go on for the long rant. It's been something that's been on my mind. This was the Mariners cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Enjoy Thursday night's game. Brian Wu against Shohei Otani. I certainly will. Talk to you tomorrow. Be back for a recap of this game. Peace.